0: You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today, it is Monday, which would normally be the weekly show with me and Adam talking all things Pacers. It's July, so we're covering free agency a lot, and we're talking together. But the 4th of July has thrown off our plans. Adam is traveling, as are many of you, I presume. So just me, because I have time on this Sunday and he does not. And that actually works out well because there was some news from last week about the Pacers that came out about their assistant coaching staff I wanted to cover. And this week's uh, player season recaps is Wings Week. So TJ Warren, Justin Holiday, and Keelan Martin – And T.J. Warren didn't play enough of a season to merit a full episode, so I decided we're going to do T.J. Warren first, shorten it to two segments, and spend the first segment talking about the Pacers' assistant coaching news from last week. So this works out well. Hope everybody had a good and safe fourth. But today, let's open up with the big assistant coaching news. The Pacers are reportedly hiring uh, former Hawks head coach Lloyd Pierce to be Rick Carlisle's top assistant, Woj reported at first. From ESPN, J. Michael, the Indy Star, then also confirming it, and it says that you know it's reported at this point. But if you go to USA Basketball's website, it literally lists Lloyd Pierce's team as the Indiana Pacers, and the intro of his Team USA bio says Pierce was recently named an assistant coach with the Indiana Pacers. So while they team hasn't announced it yet, uh, it's gonna that one's gonna happen for sure. If you go off of the Team USA stuff, um, but Pierce, that's a big hire as an assistant coach, a guy with former head coaching experience. He's been an assistant for tons of teams in the league, the Cavs uh, in the end of the first LeBron era, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the 76ers for most of the process, and then he was the head coach of the Hawks. Uh, And this is another one, by the way. I had a couple people on Twitter point out his terrible record as a coach. Well, he coached the process Sixers for five years. Guys, like, of course his record's bad. Let's not blame that on him. But Lloyd Pierce, very highly respected coach. There's a reason he's on the Team USA staff under Greg Popovich and then uh, was the head coach got hired as the head coach of the Hawks and this is something you know Rick Carlisle's an offensive guy Pierce has been known for his defense for a while right he was a charge of like player development at first but then became a defensive guy uh, in their scheme for the 76ers uh, a little bit of play calling during timeouts there as well in uh, Charlotte Team USA even has on the bio for him on their website it says under Pierce's guidance uh, in 2017-18, the Sixers defense led the NBA in field goal percentage defense, ranked second in three-point percentage allowed, and was third in defensive rating. So uh, he is a defensive guy, and the reason that's important is because we've known Carlisle to be an offensive guy, a smart X's and O's guy on offense, you know, from his uh, all-time record offense in 2019 and having the Mavs in the top 10 of offense seven times in his tenure there. So hiring a lead assistant who has the Team USA Connections uh, so he coached Miles Turner in the FIBA action in 2019. He was an assistant still for Team USA back then. So you know he has experience coaching a pacer at that time, as well as a guy who's defensively focused. Seems like a good hire, both in terms of showing up weaknesses and in terms of uh, getting a guy with good connections around the league. And yeah, uh, the interesting thing is, you know, we we've seen in the past that carlisle and pierce potentially reasons for them not staying at their former team for longer is you know they had some of the you know player relationship issues right so that's a little you you, you think about that with your top two assistants you go well maybe that's not the right the right situation but one assistance that's never really a thing that's a problem right very rarely right they're usually so liked by their players because they can be the good cop while the head coach has to be the bad cop and two, I, when you're that highly respected, again, it's just like you you deal with it. You deal with the fallout from that. So big hire from the Pacers to get Lloyd Pearson to be the top assistant. And, you know, as I pointed out, as, as Miller Time Pod said on Twitter at first, when it turned out they went for Fisdale, it's like they're really shelling out money for the good staff after last year and getting Lloyd Pierce. Uh, L- Lloyd Pierce is like a better coaching resume than Nate Bjorkert, who was their head coach last year. And now Lloyd Pierce is their top assistant. So they continue to be willing to shell out the cash for good assistants who fit their staff. And Lloyd Pierce is another signaling of that. So that was the first bit of assistant coaching news is Carlisle bringing in a great fit for his weaknesses and a great fit as a coach, a guy with ties to Turner um, and a well-regarded Team USA guy. Number two reporting, this was forced uh, Michael Scotto from Hoops High Pad that the Pacers were trying to get this man. And then Jay Michael says that the – He's close, in quotes, to joining the Pacers staff. That's Ronald Norad from the Charlotte Hornets. Norad officially, or officially, originally was hired in Charlotte under James Borrego in the summer of 2018. He was one of the OG assistants there. Really young, up-and-coming assistant in the league. He played at Butler. Uh, he was on the one of the Gordon Hayward teams that reached the Final Four as a guard. So college with player experience. Uh, he was born in Indy, but didn't grow up here. Then was the head coach at Brownsburg High School. Uh, for a year. I had one of my followers on Twitter say that they played against him in one of those staff versus seniors games in high school, if you're listening. Thank you for pointing this out to me. So ties to Indy for sure. Uh, Then Brad Stevens scoops him up uh, because Brad coached him at Butler. He becomes an assistant coach for the Maine Red Claws, the Celtics G League affiliate. So he heads up to the G League, uh, then moves around the G League to the Nets, the Long Island Nets. Um, Was an assistant coach at Northern Kentucky, then goes to the Hornets, and now is joining the Pacers, his hometown team. So he's a younger coach. I think he's only in his low thirties in age. I'm not exactly sure what his specialty is. He was the head coach for Charlotte in summer league in 2019, I believe. Um, So there's some cool documentaries on the YES Network. That's the Nets broadcast team out there, and some cool interview answers from him as the summer league head coach for uh, the Hornets. So. Another, I don't know a ton about his what his specialties are or much about him as a coach, but uh, just a guy with ties to Indy uh, seems like a, a good hire and a, a rising star, really, if he's in his young 30s and popular enough to be you know, poached by the Hornets and then the Pacers. That seems like a good hire to me, so I don't know how much – again, I don't know his specialties or what he really does, so I can't tout it too much, but – uh, just given what I know and his ties to the state, I have to be uh, pleased with that. And the last one, this just came out this morning. I, I, I waited to record this, and I'm glad I did because I wanted to make sure I got all the coaching news I possibly could into this because I'm recording this the morning on July 4th. So any news that comes out late July 4th, I'm not sure I'll get in here. But uh, uh, J. Michael again in the Star reporting that Calberts former IU basketball legend, uh, some assisted coaching experience in the G League, hired by the Pacers last year, uh, to be a player development coach. Um, Jay reports that Calbert Cheney, uh, there's a strong chance that he will remain on staff with the Indiana Pacers. So, um, it sounds like most of the rest of Carlisle staff will get filled out throughout this week. And we know that, uh, Cheney could just be another player development coach again for the second year in a row. Maybe he's the third top assistant guy on the bench. It sounds like Norad and Pierce will be two of those guys. We'll see who the last one is. Um, I still think it should be a former player, personally. Uh, like, I know Norad played in college. Okay, that's great. And uh, Lloyd Pierce, did too, is actually Steve Nash's teammate at Santa Clara. But, like, a former actual NBA player I think would be great for their last spot. On the bench, Daryl Armstrong, former Pacer and a guy on the Mavs bench uh, in the past. I thought would be a good fit just because of his size to Carlisle. But Jay reported that Armstrong will not be coming uh, to the Pacers. So, not sure who it's going to be for that last spot maybe it is Cheney, but we'll see that sounds like the staff's filling out but some slam dunk first couple hires at least um from my perspective in terms of what the pacers needed which was a defensive guy and then the local rising star seems like a great fit especially learning under an established coach with championship experience like rick carlisle so that's all the coaching news We have so far, staffs coming together, Pacers definitely willing to spend, or at least are spending in a way that they did not spend last year, very exciting to see, so we'll see who fills out the rest of that stuff, let's talk about TJ Warren, it's Wings Week as we round out these player season recaps, so this week will be Wings Week, next week will be Guards Week, and then we got to finish out with a week I'm calling guys who are on the team for the full season, you'll see what that is, but this is Wings Week, and TJ Warren fits this show schedule well, because I wanted to talk about the coaching first. So let's talk about TJ Warren's extremely, unfortunately, short season with the Pacers. But first, I got to talk to you guys about Bilt Bar. They are making the best tasting protein bars ever, and they have an awesome new flavor. It's called Grasshopper Cookie, so it's a it's mint chocolate basically, and it is amazing. It's available this week. You can get the new Bilt Bar flavor. Uh, I absolutely love it. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 5 grams of sugar in the Grasshopper Cookie. And did you know Built Bar has a ton of more delicious flavors? I've told you about them a million times. They're mixed packaging that has nine great flavors. There's something for everybody. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're passionate about their favorites. Mine is, of course, that double chocolate peanut butter one. But they're all really good. Not only are they the best tasting protein bars, they're healthy too. Most have 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So go try them today. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, TJ Warren, my, one of my favorite players to watch on this team, one of my favorite personalities on this team. The guy's just all about basketball. Loves playing the game, always passionate, very rarely gets caught up in anything that isn't on-court action. Great teammate by all accounts. Just love watching him play. And I have to think of a word to describe his season. I just think of bummer because if you remember me from before the season, I predicted, and one of my bold predictions for this Pacers season, that TJ Warren would be the only all-star on the team. And, you know, he really had that bubble explosion, the 50-point game, the multiple high-scoring games, right? He really, that charge they had to get from, I think they were almost tied for the 6th seed or close to the 6th seed when they joined the bubble. The charge they had to get from where they were to four, he had played a big part of that. He was the reason they were able to rest their starters for the last game of that season because he got them some wins they shouldn't have had, and then the foot stuff popped up late in the bubble and really uh, was a problem for him early in this season, right? The very first game of the season against the Knicks, he was literally noticeably limping the whole game which was eye-opening to me. Then he played with no limp for the next three games, and then he was out for the rest of the season. So huge bummer after last year's explosion where he really carried that team through the bubble to come into this season, tons of hype, tons of excitement, and then not be able to capitalize on it. That said, bummer is really only a description of him not playing because – he, he, you know, his stats aren't going to be glamorous, and I'm going to combine the stats and skills into one segment here because he only played four games. This is all extremely small sample size theater, but some great performances, right? That first game where he was limping around and couldn't really move, he played less than half the game. He only had five points. The other three games, he had 23 in that win over the Bulls, 10 of 16 shooting, looked really good. Then the first game against Boston, the win, he played 37 and a half minutes on a hobbled foot, 8 of 14 shooting, and had 17 points in a win. And then the second game against Boston, he shot seven of 13 from the field and had 17 points and got to the line four times. And they lost that one. That was their only loss with him playing. But despite a five point limping performance, he finished the season 15.5 points per game on 52, or 53, excuse me, percent shooting. Didn't make a three uh, in four games. Only took, I think, seven. Yeah, so not a huge deal there. But um, it's hard for me to like compare his stats to prior seasons one because of the small sample size, but two in two of the games, he played fewer minutes because of the foot stuff right so when you say oh his re- his rebounding was down or like oh he didn't make any threes uh he had more fouls no steals whatever like I-, I can't compare that to anything seriously and have any opinion of that that said I liked the way Bjorken was using him his three-point attempts in general were way down uh from past seasons and he's a good three-pointer I think he should take lots of three-pointers uh but Nate had him getting downhill getting to his spots all the time on the catch and off the off the bounce and he loves that mid-range game. He loves that off-the-dribble game in between. And when he's hitting it, he's really hard to guard. You have to be right up in his face at all spots. And Nate was getting him downhill to those spots effectively uh, in his few games uh, that he was able to play with the Pacers this season. So that was really enjoyable for me. A little bit smaller of usage than he had in past seasons. But, uh, you know, Nate was definitely more about spreading it out early in the season when he played. But, you know, it's hard for me to really hammer in anything huge or negative about Four games. That's why his season was such a bummer. Is like the the huge expectations were there after the bubble, and he probably wouldn't have met the the, the expectations that most had, including me, opining that he could reach All Star level. I mean that that that's extreme for a guy who had just a big giant eight game sample in the bubble. But you know that's how good he was there. He showed that he's got the skills to be that level of player. Once he added the pull up three at the end of 2019 20. Where he got over forty percent shooting from deep and was taking them in a way he wasn't in the past. Maybe for a little bit with Phoenix, but that's when I really started to believe that he could be a special player. And the injuries just totally threw that off. And it was, it was terrible to see him for a guy with a history of injuries. That's a bit alarming. It's a bit scary uh, to be honest. And as he heads into an expiring contract, I'm sure the Pacers are thinking about that too. And we'll talk about his future momentarily. But it's just it's it's a bummer to see that we he couldn't build on the skills that he showed uh, in the year before. You know he, he he could be a guy that is really helpful on defense for a team that really needed it right that that was something kevin pritchard talked about a bunch in his end of season presser and his defense was really good two seasons ago uh really good might be a stretch his on-ball defense was good two seasons ago which was a total change of heart for him statistically so that would have been huge his defensive impact was certainly lessened this year by the advanced numbers but again reading too much into the numbers on a four-game sample is completely ludicrous, uh, but but you know when he's hobbled, it, it wasn't as effective. Something that was effective and something I love about T.J. Warren's game: six point seven percent turnover rate in those four games. He never turns the ball over, despite being a guy who has it a lot, who puts it on the floor, who makes things happen. He takes care of it. He gives the Pacers quality possessions, or at least a good outcome opportunity at the end of all of his possessions. So, one of my favorite and a positive off on off number for him again this year so he has an impact on winning they were a plus one with him on the court this year against three of the four games he played against playoff opponents against good teams right so he was very valuable uh to the pacers when he played even though he was hobbled he had some great scoring nights that helped them win games and then it was all taken away uh he's out of the boot we could see him on the bench without it uh throughout the season and then he he doesn't have any more there's some videos on his instagram story of him working out in the gym and being able to use the foot a lot more so Seems like he'll be coming back next year ready to put in more buckets and and play the defense that they need him to. Should immediately slide into the starting lineup. But let's talk about his future, both with the Pacers contractually, with the Pacers on the court. What's next for T.J. Warren, right? What is his growth and his career? Because when you have a year, a season like this one, especially with the history of injuries, that's really important to talk about. So let's talk about T.J. Warren's future. But first, got to talk about the great folks over at BetOnline.ag the fastest and easiest way. To bet on all your sports action, including the NBA Finals, coming up starting Tuesday, Game 1. The Suns are favored by six points at home. If Giannis plays, that's an interesting line. I still think the Suns will win that series, but that you know, you can't count out Giannis in the Bucs' playoffs. They've been playing fantastic. BetOnline.ag has all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the NBA Finals, MLB, NHL, stanley cup finals ufc and mma action before the next pitch before the next game tips off head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device check out all the great sporting news signup bonuses and contest info they have don't sit on the sidelines anymore this is your chance to get in the game and if you sign up on that website or on your mobile device betonline.ag you can get a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit if you use the promo code LockedOn, all one word when you sign up betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts so tj warren Coming up on an expiring contract, coming off a big foot injury that caused him to miss 70 games, is a very tough spot for him to be. It's a tough spot for the Pacers to be. And contractually, it's a little hard to discern exactly what his future will look like in the NBA with the Pacers, whatever you want to call it. So he... For, let's talk about on the court first. I think that he will automatically be starting next year at the three. If he's... assuming. Let's assume the Pacers run it back for this exercise, but I, I don't necessarily know that that's going to happen. If, assuming they have the same team as last year a very similar team as last year, he would definitely start. I think the starting five next year will be Brogdon, LeVert, Warren, and the two bigs. Right. I don't think anyone can can argue another guy would be in there. Right. You, you could quibble that that's a lot of ball handling or that they need more shooting, whatever, but I think that's the five they will try to start the season with. Rick Carlisle. Did talk about role acceptance, so maybe he does tweak that a little bit. But if they do tweak it, the tweak would be, like we talked about, one of the bigs not starting, they get a little more staggered, and then Warren would probably play the four, right? They talked about last year in the preseason pressers, we heard uh, Richard talk about, and I think Bjorken a little bit too, trying to get Warren to play more four. That was a goal that they had, which <laughs> made me laugh because they talked about wanting to play Batadze more and wanting Warren to play more four, which both of those goals do not overlap. But that was last year. That doesn't matter. So I think that that'll be another focus again is trying to get him to play four if they can. Uh, So I think he'll be a starter either way next year. And I think that makes a lot of sense because we've seen in his time with the Pacers and his last season with Phoenix that he can shoot away from the play, right? So let's say he doesn't have it at the beginning of the season because he's coming off a big foot surgery that caused him to miss almost 80 games or 70 games. He might not be the usual TJ Warren at first to start this season, right? So, I, you have to imagine that when the season begins, uh, he, you know, he can be more of a, a an off-ball guy who's hitting those threes at the 40% clip. right? Something we see with some guys coming off of leg injuries is they can use their arms to really improve their shooting when they come back from injury. That happened with Vic. That happened with Jeremy Lamb. Perhaps that could happen with T.J. Warren. And then once he does get his feel for the game back, his handle to the level that we've seen with Warren, he can beat that off the dribble threat. Maybe their best off the dribble threat even as the season progresses. So, I think he'll automatically be a starter next year when he comes back. He's one of the only guys from last year's team that you kind of have to think about his role because he didn't play very much throughout the season, but I think you'll see him be a starter for sure on next year's Pacers team. Uh, yeah, he's a phenomenal player. And then there's odd on-ball defense, especially on wing-sized guys is very needed. Justin Holiday can kind of do it against some guys, uh, but they didn't really have that for much of the season. They were missing a lot of defensive impact on the wing, and uh, they... TJ Warren has some stockiness to him that they don't have on the wing with some of their guys right now, so that he can be a big help in that way as well. So I think, again, a lot to start just based on role and need and talent, and then he will be can grow into one of the best players. I will still be very high on what he can bring next season, even if he is a tick below the level he was uh, two years ago, especially in the bubble. That said, his contract status makes things interesting. Expiring contracts are always tough to manage. I do actually believe you know, we had those rumors that he the and hire wasn't popular for him and that he demanded a trade. I'm not saying the Bjorkren hire was popular for anybody, but I don't believe the trade demand to be real. That said, you know, he I think he actually likes Indiana. He, he's all about basketball. He's all about his business. One of his idols, David West, liked it here until he didn't, but um, I think he actually likes Indiana. It's, it's about his life pace. He really liked North Carolina, Raleigh, where he's from, so... Um, you know, maybe he likes his hometown. That's just, uh, I'm just saying another city. He's not from a big city, right? So I think he likes Indiana. I think they could keep him, uh, in free agency next year. I think they would like to, uh, they can give him an extension this off season. I don't know the exact numbers. It's a 20% raise over his current deal at 12.7 million. So they could get him about four, four seventy on top of his current deal. And I don't think he would take that because if he has another big year like his first year with the Pacers, he'd probably get closer to four for 100 on the open market. And good starters cost 20 to $25 million, So he's probably smart to ask for that. And he plays the most in-demand position in the league. He can score from anywhere and defend on the ball. He'd be a very popular free agency guy. But coming off an injury, maybe it's possible they could negotiate that extension at four for 70 I don't think they could, but I think they would be smart to try personally. We'll see, though. I mean, I think some of it could depend on their free agency if they end up, inking some solid free agents to longer-term deals. They might not have the space to really be aggressive with an extension at this time. So we'll see there, but uh, his, you know, his free agency being only one year away, uh, it lines up with Jeremy Lamb, so there's extra space in the money if they want to bring him back there, and it lines up with some other lesser guys. So there will be space in the budget to keep him, no matter what, going forward. But they have to consider what he might want, and he has to think about where he wants to be. But I think it's a good fit uh, franchise and player-wise. I think he's very good. And, again, we're less than a year removed from me thinking he can be the best player on the Indiana Pacers. And that seems a little far-fetched in retrospect, mostly because he got hurt. But, you know, maybe that's possible again. Maybe he recaptures some of that bubble form under Rick Carlisle. I think that's going to be a good fit. Carlisle's done well with perimeter players in his career. So I'm really excited to see what TJ Warren can bring when he comes off this injury. And I'll be curious to see if the Pacers can can come to any happy medium contract-wise. And, you know, it's not going to be awkward for him playing on an expiring, I don't think. But you never really know how that goes, how extension talks go, things like that. So, We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings, what the team can come up with for him in his future. And remember, if he if he turns down an extension or gives any indication he doesn't want to be back, could be a trade candidate at the deadline, but that is way too far away to see uh, looking forward, and I have no idea what he would be thinking in that regard or what the team would be thinking, but I think he can be a good fit under Carlisle. I think there's a chance they could work out an extension, and I think that he's a great fit on this Pacers roster, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do coming back from injury. And that's all I got on T.J. Warren. It's really hard to review a season of a guy who only played four games, but he reached the magical number that we like to go for for these player season recaps of minutes. We like to, uh, if if you, I talked about the hundred minute mark with Cassius Stanley, right? If you don't play hundred minutes, it's really hard to do a full podcast on you. Cassius played ninety three, but he played enough with the Mad Ants that we made an exception for him. Warren played one hundred seventeen, so he got his own show for the player season recaps, but. Um, it'll be much easier to talk about him and contextualize what he means for the current ongoing structure of the Pacers when he's healthy and can play again. So that's all I got for today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you had a great holiday. And if you uh, had a long weekend, I hope you enjoyed that. We'll be back tomorrow. Adam will be back with me. And we're talking about stars the Pacers could acquire this offseason, or at least big names that could improve the team in the draft, in free agency, and in trades. So get excited for that. I've been talking about that show For a long time. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you're enjoying a long weekend or enjoyed a long weekend. And we will see you tomorrow.